as I said in the announcements, next week we have our Mission and Vision Lunch, which I always look forward to, and I hope you'll join us. Also next week we're going to have all of those who have joined uh, the church recently over the past handful of months uh, come and do that publicly as well as we have some baptisms. And so next week's a really special, will be a special week, a sweet week for us. So I hope you'll be able to join us uh, for that service and that lunch. Uh, this the past two weeks as we've gone into Mission and Vision uh, Month, we talked about our mission. That is, uh, and this is our, on the back of the bulletin, we exist, that is North Hills exists to celebrate the grace that makes us alive in Christ, Ephesians 2.5, so I preached on that at the beginning of the month, and to express God's amazing grace to our neighbors and the world around us, Isaiah 12. And that brings us to our vision. That is, what do we want to be? What do we want to become as we are fulfilling that mission of expressing and proclaiming God's amazing grace? Well, we want to be a city on a hill, shining the light of God's love. I hope that's familiar to you because it's on your bulletin every Sunday. It's on the front. Uh, Maybe you're you're tired of seeing it. But let me tell you why it's there. That's what I want to do this morning. Where do we get that from? Why do we say that? Um, there's, of course, lots of things we could say, uh, but it's where the Lord's led our leadership in, in thinking through how to articulate not only what we want to do, but who we want to become. And hopefully we are doing that. Uh, so we're going to look at Matthew chapter 5, uh, verses really 14 through 16. You'll see verse 13 there, and I'll read it as well, but we're really going to focus on 14 through 16 this morning, it's on page 810 in your pew Bibles in front of you, the black pew Bibles, page 6 in your bulletin, I believe, or however you want to follow along. Hear God's word, and this is Christ speaking uh, during the Sermon on the Mount. He says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word this morning. Join me in prayer. Father, thank you for today and this time together. We praise you and thank you, and we pray that as we open up your word, you would open it up to us. You would open our hearts and minds to be able to receive, illumine them, so that we can understand what you are saying to us where we are this morning. We thank you that you are good to us. You are kind to us in giving us your word. And so we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a church building, I'm not certain if it's still there, but it may well be. It's on Deer Island in New Brunswick, the Canadian province. And for many years, it served as a physical lighthouse to the fishermen of that community. It's a normal church building, uh, kind of what you might expect is built many years ago, but uh, steeple up front in a sanctuary and nothing special, uh, but there was a light in that steeple. And so for many years before in the 60s, the 1960s, the government put navigational lights in certain places. Before that, 
the fishermen would see that light. They'd see the steeple, and as they were coming in, whether it was in the evening or during the day, they could fix their eyes there and know that they would be safe from the ledges and the shoals and the uh, you know water that was not very deep, that they could follow that path. And that church would light their way, would show them their way. The light could lead people home. And that light mattered to the community, no matter how small or large that church was, or no matter how small or large that community was. It mattered, didn't it? And in a similar fashion, we too want to be a lighthouse to our community. I know I'm mixing metaphors. Jesus does that sometimes, so I feel free to do so, right? Uh, with city on a hill, we're going to talk about that, but we can be that lighthouse. We can light the way, or we can be that beacon. We can be that city, and yet we feel the challenges, don't we? We feel the challenges of being overwhelmed by the darkness that we see in this world that just seems to continue to encroach upon our world. Or we stumble in our own darkness of our own sin. Or we wonder, does it matter? The light that we shine, does it matter? Does anybody notice? Does anybody see? We're just a small church. Maybe it doesn't matter. Right? We can feel those things. We can wonder those questions. But here's my theme this morning. We desire to be a gracious city on a hill that shines the light of God's love to every corner of our community. That's what we want to become. It's a process. We have to keep seeking that, keep considering that. So I want to do that again this morning and talk about a kingdom appointment, effective placement, and a gracious movement. So the first thing is a, a kingdom appointment. And this passage may be familiar to many of us. It's in the Sermon on the Mount. It's right after the Beatitudes, which are also, for many, very familiar. Maybe you, many of you know the song, This Little Light of Mine, right? I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, right? And then you also, kids love that part where you get to shout no, right? Satan's not going to snuff it out. I'm not going to put a basket on it, right? We, we, and, and that's a good song, but we might miss something if we don't go a little deeper and so i want to do that with you here this is really quite amazing it's amazing when you think that jesus would call his disciples the light of the world he's called them salt as well but now we'll focus on verse 14 he makes this amazing statement to who the princes and the power brokers of the time the authorities, no, none of those, right? No one with great power or privilege. They were common fishermen. They were reviled tax collectors. They were everyday people. And Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Be amazed by that. Be amazed by that declaration. Jesus goes on to say in verse 14, a city on a hill set on a hill cannot be hidden and so here is this this picture that jesus is giving these disciples their influence and power 
would seem small. And yet Jesus is saying it's much, much greater than the leading lights of the age. And that is true for you and me. I don't know that we do we have any Instagram influencers in here this morning. Okay, good. That's not who we are. And yet we have influence and power beyond such things. Why? How can that be possible? Because they and every follower of the King of Kings since are appointed to this task. He's appointing them to serve the King in this way. You are. Right now. And it's possible for him to give this appointment because he is the light of the world. That's what he says in John chapter 8 and again in John chapter 9. And we also read at the beginning of the uh, gospel of John in verse uh, 4 and 5 of chapter 1. In him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. It's a promise that's fulfilled that has roots in the Old Testament. That the Savior, that the Messiah, that Jesus would be the light for the nations. Isaiah 42. Matthew had already quoted Isaiah 9. On them a light has dawned. Indeed, this is Jesus. And because of that, we receive his appointment to be light of the world as well. Now, there's some analogies that have been used to help us to understand that, and they can be helpful, although, as you know, analogies break down. But one of those is we are like the moon. You know, the moon does not have any light in and of itself. What does it do? The moon reflects the light of the sun. And, you know, there are some nights where you can see just, it almost feels like day. It's not. You know it. But the moon is so bright that you could be outside doing, you could mow the lawn, right? And you'd be just fine. You'd see it all crystal clear. And you know, there are other times where it, it waxes and wanes. Uh, I, I don't, anyway, y'all know this stuff, right? It's, it's, it's lower. You can't see much at all. That's a good analogy. Another one might be a photograph. The word photograph literally means drawing with light. So when light is exposed to uh, a photosensitive paper or, or some sort of film, then that light imprints on there. And that's exactly what happens with Jesus. His light imprints upon us. And when people see us, they, they, we hope, we desire, that they say, huh, you look familiar. You look like your, your older brother, Jesus. I can see the resemblance. That's what we should want to see, want to hear. And that's what Jesus is saying to us. But he also says a city on a hill set on a hill cannot be hidden. What hill are we set upon as followers of Christ? We are set upon the holy hill of Zion, the rock of Christ, the hill of Calvary. As long as we are set there next to the cross, we will not be hidden. And that's where we stand and people can see for miles around. That's our desire as a church and as individuals. That that would be our foundation. That would be where we are set. That's why we preach and teach the gospel over and over and over again. Because apart from that, we're only trying to shine our own lights, not the light of Christ. 
So as long as our life is found in Christ and obedience to his word, then we will be on that hill. Not because we are better or above anyone, but because we cling to the cross of Christ and the light of grace that radiates from the one who died for us, rose for us, and is, is, in, and is ascended for us. When we were talking, Lori and I, about kids like, it didn't have a name. Um, I, it was her idea, and we were bouncing ideas off and just kind of honing things, and I was trying to capture what she was thinking. And we were bringing, as you heard last week, those elements of Kids Night Out and Children's Choir together. And we said, we need a name. I don't name everything, right? Sunday evening Bible study is not the, you know, most inspired name, right? So not everything has to have a, a fancy name, but it felt important to have a name. And so we batted around several ideas, but Kids Light kind of stuck. Why? Because two reasons. We are trying to shine the light of God's love to the children in our church and in our community. But also, we want them to know that they can be a part of that as well. That they can shine their light. You see, it goes both ways. We shine the light of God's love to them and they shine it out to the world as well. They join us in that. And so that's where the name come, came from. And it's a reminder that we have an appointment and we're called to fulfill it. And that's just one way. There are many ways that we can fill, fulfill that appointment. It's important for us to consider effective placement as well. And this is where Jesus gets practical. He, he gives his images. A city on a hill, which we've already talked about a little bit. A light covered and a light on a stand. The point being is what are we doing with our light? Again, city on a hill Jesus makes this simple, evocative statement. You might imagine Jerusalem sort of sits up on a hill. That's Zion. And people would come up to it. And if there were any lights, they would be able to see it as they came. Imagine before electric lights, right? Street lights and the like. A, a, a fire burning, a torch or something along those lines would be visible for miles away. And you'd be attracted to that light it serves as a beacon. And it's impossible to hide that light, nor would we want to do so. We want to be at city on a hill. We want to be a known as a place where light shines. But here's the thing I want you to hear. This is a corporate thing. I know we read the use, and I'm, you may, you know, if you're not with me on this, you may get tired of this. But this is another y'all, y'all. Right? Y'all are the light of the world. It's not just one person, although it takes each individual to be a part of it, but this reduces the pressure for each one of us, though we must be committed to coming together. But this is something we do corporately. You know, there are days and weeks and months and years where we may feel like we have hardly any light to shine. We're sick, we're struggling. We're bowed down. That's okay. That's where the church comes in because together we are a city on a hill. And so we come intentionally together with that desire to do that. Then Jesus also uses this image of a light covered. It leads us to a more personal and practical application because that does matter. And that is here. 
Jesus takes us into an individual home in verse 15. And he says, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but put it on a stand. So there's the negative first. And he's talking about a common household basket that was used to measure grain. Now, you certainly wouldn't want to do that if you had an open flame, would you? That, uh, that'd be foolish. Also, you just think you wouldn't want to cover up that which is providing light and a time in a place where there is no turning on the light overhead lights. Right? You, that would make no sense. It would be a ridiculous idea to cover it up, maybe even to douse it. You know what else is a ridiculous idea? Those daylight bulbs. What does daylight mean? That is not daylight. That's hospital light. That makes no sense at all. Right? What's the point of these things? Don't do that. We don't do that. We don't want that. Now, here's the positive that comes at the end of verse 15. You put it on a stand. You elevate it. You find a way to maximize the impact of the light in the room or the house. Keeping in mind that at this time, houses would not have multiple rooms. They might have a couple of rooms. And so you'd want to maximize the light for the for the purpose of shining for all in that place. And so that's important. Some of you have heard this story in college at the University of Georgia. I lived in my pastor's basement my senior year, right before Lydia and I got married. And then we lived there after we got married for a couple years. And I shared this little two-bed, it wasn't even a bedroom, but this, we made it a bedroom, two-bedroom basement apartment. And there was a decent-sized window in the living room, a tiny uh, light uh, window that gave a little bit of light in the main bedroom, and then I was in the womb room, the room that had no light that would come into it, and I loved it. The only problem was I like to sleep, and I don't wake up super easily, and so what I did is I had this torsier lamp that I went and got a 500-watt halogen bulb that was meant for the outside, put it in that lamp, put that lamp on a timer, and would have that go off 15 minutes before my alarm went off so that when I woke up, I wasn't waking up in the pitch black darkness. That made it so easy to just keep sleeping. So that light goes off and it just was like, oh, you know, you have the glory shining. That's what it was like. I needed that. You put it on a stand. You light up the room and you light up the life of the world around you. So what is it like for us to do that? How do we do that? Well, Philippians 2, 12 through 16 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but more, much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. That you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Among whom you shine as lights in the world. Holding fast to the word of life so that the day, in the day of Christ I may be proud that I, not, that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Simply what we believe, how we believe and what we sound like are a large part of how we put our light on a stand so that we can shine as lights in the world. And I'll come back to one aspect of that at the end here. But let's talk about a gracious movement in our last point. 
we want to be the light of God's love, and we want it to be a gracious movement out of our lives and our church, look at verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So the scope of a a gracious movement is what? It is both local and global. It's worldwide and it's in our neighborhoods. Why do I say that? Well, you are the light of the what? Light of the world. Not, Not North Alabama, not Meridianville, not the United States. The light of the world. And for these disciples, it wasn't the light of Jerusalem or the light of Israel or the light of the Middle East. It was the light of the world. So that's why I say the scope is both global and local. The extent, I think I said this last week, of our proclamation is wherever people exist and the praise of God doesn't. Kind of taking off John Piper, he says that's why missions exist, because God's praise doesn't. His worship doesn't. So we take the gospel out so that God would be praised that his grace, his amazing grace would be reveled in. And we know that there are places all around this world that are in darkness. And we see it sometimes in our own community. And so that's the big picture for us. But we also notice the language that Jesus uses that brings us closer where we inhabit. A city set on a hill. Or an individual home. Or before others. So we work in such a way that we are have both in view. Where we are now, but also we want to support the light going out to all the world. And so that's the scope of the gracious movement. The light of, the gra- of this gracious movement is that we let our shi- light shine before others. Now let me tell you, sometimes people don't like that. Why? Light exposes, doesn't it? And when we let our light shine before others and it exposes their sinfulness, don't do know that it won't always be a positive reaction. But some people that are lost in darkness are so much desiring to find a way out of that that you shining their light illumines the way for them to Christ. And so... It helps people to better see where they are in this dark world. It doesn't guarantee a positive response. But that does happen, doesn't it? You hear these stories again and again of people who are lost in sin and darkness, and yet the light finds them. And where is that light coming from? From God's people as they work and labor and follow God. And so that's the the light of a gracious movement. We need to love people. We need to know people. We need to speak to people. We need to seek out where they are. And that can be hard. Lastly, on on this point, the hope of a gracious movement is that indeed so that, the end of verse 16, that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Isn't that what we're praying We're praying not that as we become light of the world, sitting on a hill, shining our light, that people would say, hey, you are an amazing person. No, we want them to say, you serve an amazing God. That's what we want to hear. That's our desire. It's what we do in the name of Christ, reflecting and shining his light, allows people to see what it means to follow God and be loved by him. 
That's our hope here. And John Stott says, Then people will see us in our good works, and seeing us will glorify God, for they will inevitably recognize that it is by God's grace, or excuse me, that it is by the grace of God, we are what we are, that our light is His light, that our works are His works done in us and through us. So it is the light they will praise, not the lamp which bears it. It is our Father in heaven whom they will glorify, not the children He has begotten who exhibit a certain family likeness. So where do we start with this gracious movement? Well, start where you are. And we've, we've been working on this. This is not something new necessarily. But let me give you a, a challenge Start where you are. So for most of us, we're here. The Lord has led us to this church. So what is one way you can help us shine the light of God's love from this city on a hill? For some of you, it'll mean being faithful and persistent in your prayers for this church. That matters. Others of you are called to give sacrificially. We're all called to give sacrificially. But some of you may do it in such a way that enables us to continue. We keep the lights on. That matters, right? There's a calling there that matters. may not be something that is known, but it does matter. Or you may have a particular ministry that you want to serve in and serve with. And if you don't know where that is, talk to me and I'll find a place for you. I promise. Because there are always those needs and we want to consider that. But I also want to give you a personal challenge. Tomorrow, and this is for everyone, boys and girls... And all of everyone else. Tomorrow, find one person that you can thank for who they are in your life. Or for something you've seen them do that you are thankful for. So students, it might be thanking your teacher for their faithfulness in teaching you. Or it might be thanking a parent for them loving you. As you go out into your workplaces... Is there someone who serves sacrificially in their work that you might acknowledge their kindness? You see, you heard it in Philippians. The world loves to grumble and complain. But if we go out with thanksgiving, what are we doing? We're bringing light where it often isn't. You ever thank someone that wasn't expecting it? Genuine thanks for something? And you say, I just want to say thank you for how you have served me in this way. It could be the clerk at the store watch their countenance watch their face light up in that way we start maybe in the smallest of ways of individually but also as we come together corporately shining the light so start tomorrow do that and then see what comes the next day pray that the lord would lead you i I don't mean to make it a show don't make this a task But be genuine about it. But see what happens when we start there. And as we come together each week seeking to serve the Lord here in worship and ministry as the light goes out from this city on a hill. You again, one more story. Some of you've heard I've probably used this several times because I love this game. When I did youth ministry, I like this game called drawing in the dark. And you can do this at home. You just need a dark room. And one person, I, so I would lead this and I would get, give the students a piece of paper and I'd tell them what to draw. 
So we're going to draw a house, and I would, I would give instructions. Here's the thing. We would do it with the lights off. So all the lights would, would be off, and I'd say, all right, put your house on the left side of the, of the paper. And now we want to have a tree and a picket fence and a sun in the corner. And let me tell you, some marvelous, marvelous works of art came out of that. Right? Everything would be skewed. Everything would be off. There'd be an approximation, but it wouldn't be great. What would help? If I were just, that's if light would help, even if I were just shining a flat flashlight from one corner of the room, just a little bit of light would help tremendously, even if you aren't an artiste. Right? You'd be able to put things where they go, and it might actually look like the scene that it's supposed to be. In the same way, it's true of our lives. We need lights, and the people around us need that too. We want a, our light to pierce the darkness and help others to see life as it is meant to be. Because in sin and darkness, guess what? Everything is skewed. It looks and resembles what it's supposed to be, but it's skewed and misshapen and sometimes can be way, way off. So we're a city on a hill that will not be hidden because of Christ and his love for us. And we're seeking to shine that light in the darkness. Will you join me in prayer? Father, thank you for this time and your word and who we are as a church. Uh, we will not do any of this perfectly. And we certainly won't do it without you. And so, Lord, help us to consider what that means for us individually, but also corporately. That, it, that we are coming together to fulfill this calling that you've given to us. Father, we praise you and we thank you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our